0: G'day and welcome back to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. If it's your first time ever tuning in, thanks for joining us. If you're someone that builds this into your schedule, thank you so much for being a regular listener and tuning into our conversations. Now, this week, I'm actually heading back kind of to university. I'm catching up with Emily Armstrong, or as I best know her, Importer. This was back in the day before she had a children and a husband. Em and I went through Marcus Oldham together and since then, she's been on a little bit of a journey. She went to Sydney for a few years and then ultimately knew that she wanted to go back to her hometown of Hay, where her husband Hayme is, and since then, she started a little yoga community called Saltbush Stretch, and I thought, what an awesome opportunity to sit down with Em and talk about her journey, the influences, where the interest in ag came, what it was like chillerooing up in the Territory, the decision to go to ag college The challenges, but also the opportunities that gave her. And then like so many other young people, it seems to be a bit of a common theme. She ended up at Auctions Plus and that gave her the opportunity to return home under the leadership of Anna Spear back in the day. And today, well, her little business is just bloody thriving. If you haven't checked it out, go check out Saltbush Stretch and let's get into this chat. Corey, give me the pep talk that you give to yourself.
1: Okay. Monday morning, normally it's just like, all right, fire up. What shit are we going to get done? And the list is normally longer than what I can handle, but you just have to take out the bite-sized pieces, the stuff that needs to be done urgently and get that coffee strong, black coffee, start the morning hard and uh, fire up. Black coffee? Well, I'm a bit weird. Yeah. I think every single time I have a coffee, it's different. And like, it was so funny. My sister said, we've got this worker that comes over and every single time he always has a different coffee. And I'm thinking, mm, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> but I'm like, that's me.
0: Well, you just go whatever you're feeling like on the day.
1: No, like in the morning sometimes I like black and then smoko, I might have it with milk. And then then if I go to town, I'll have like a proper coffee with like cappuccino type set up with a bit of chockey on top. So, yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a show.
0: Horty, <laughs> I'm going to test it. One thing I've been doing... To people, Actually, because you spend a bit of time in the territory? So, last week, I was like, when I was chatting to a few people up north, I was like like leading with two things and it's got to be a PG joke, but like, are you the type of person that can rattle off a good joke?
1: Oh, I think I actually did see this on your socials and it was very funny, but overwhelming. (laughs) No, I wouldn't say I'm a joke smith by any means, but I do try. But my wit, like Haim, actually my husband- when we were like dating and still today, everyone would be laughing in a group setting and I'd be also laughing because I'm like, this is so funny. But then I'm looking at him being like, can you translate this to me after we're done here? Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have no idea what the joke is, but I'm just like, everyone's laughing. So I'm just going to, anyway, now everyone knows that I just suck. So everyone's only really like, you didn't get that one, did you? Em? I was like, no, not really. But, ah, you
0: know. <laughs> it seemed funny. I'm laughing because everyone. So I've got a good one, which I learned last week. So much pressure with the joke, isn't it? Have you ever seen an elephant hiding in a tree when you've been playing hide and seek?
1: No. They're
0: pretty good at it, aren't they? <laughs> Do you get it?
1: Well, elephants are really big and they can't hide, kind of. Is that the joke? And
0: if you can't find them while you're playing hide and seek, they're pretty good at hide and seek.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm not good at them. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, we'll just roll on from there, forty. It's a tough crowd out there. I think we need to ask people if you enjoy that joke. Can you please just let us know?
1: Yeah, yeah. You might have a few people dropping off the podcast already. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Porty, I think Emily Armstrong, you're the face and brains behind Saltbush Stretch. But before that, we were students together at Marcus Oldham. Before that, you were a ringer up north, and before that, you were just a chick from Hay. And I think, like, I'm amazed that where you're at now with your business, what you're doing with alongside home got little Ted as well. You got a bit on. Oh,
1: <laughs> I do have a bit on, but um I often say I've got a girlfriend that probably lives life in a slower lane, you would say. And uh, she always comments she was like your life's just like a movie. There's always just so much drama happening. And I'm like, well, it's not normally like I don't plan it to be that way, but it kind of just ends up being chaotic, but also like I just love the chaos. Like I can't sit still and I love the hustle and I love the farm and the family and the balance and you know, life would be dull and boring if I was just staying still. So I'm all about the hustle.
0: (laughs) You could sit here on a Monday morning and be like, these are things I'm just going to do this week. And that's all I'm going to do. It'd be boring, wouldn't it?
1: It'd be so boring. So yes, I like to keep life in the fast lane.
0: Bordy, tell me one thing I love asking people and I'd be really interested with you. You're a farm girl, but tell me what's your earliest memories around agriculture and What kind of emotions does it bring up for you?
1: Well, obviously, like growing up at Gumbar, which is the heart and soul of the Riverina. I actually don't even know what the population is. Yeah, not many. But it's a one-horse town and in between Hay and Griffith, if the people don't know. But I think, to be honest, like literally just getting up every single morning and having a total adventure, like as a kid, like you have all of this space, bikes, sheep, get to drive the youth, like it's literally all of this stuff. And I think you look back on it now and you almost take it for granted. But as a mum now, like seeing other kids, I'm just like, oh, my God, we literally had the best life growing up. And I feel so grateful now to then be able to give that same life to my child and hopefully later on other children. But I just think that, you know, fondest memory probably, I'll tell you this one. It was in the 2002 drought. I was probably like seven, maybe a little bit older. Don't know exact dates of age, but mum and dad were growing millet and we were cutting it and feeding that to our sheep in the drought. And uh, it was pretty dire in 2002. And uh, obviously, we were like all on school holidays or something. And yeah, mum and dad were like, you guys are going to have to come with us. Anyway, so where the irrigation channel was, dad was cutting it. Mum was in the feed cart alongside it and they were like, okay, you guys are just going to stay up here and you guys are going to have a beach holiday. And we're like, awesome. This is the best. So we had the Molly Mook tent, the shade beach tent. We had the umbrellas, the boogie boards, everything. And we spent the whole day in the water just watching them go up and down. And like literally, where the ball was, like there was a big fountain and we'd like pretend we were mermaids like coming out of the, you know, it was awesome. And I look back at that and I'm like, poor old mom and dad were probably like far out of our kids drowning up the end. Like they'd obviously come back and check us and we were old enough to swim, but I'm like, that was wild. We thought that was the best fun ever, but literally dire straight, literally probably didn't even know when the cash was coming in. It was tough, but we just thought it was the best, you know? So I think looking back on that, I'm like, you've literally just got to be so adaptable and resilient. And as kids, like, we just thought that was what people did to go on the beach holiday. Like, we did actually go on a beach holiday eventually, but that was the closest thing we got for the minute.
0: (laughs) Do you think little memories like that will help, like, put you in good stead when, obviously, you and Hamish are farming? You've got little Ted. Is it things like that which actually will put it into perspective, you think? when the tougher times roll
1: around? 100%. And even like looking at the season now and you kind of look where it's going and Ham and I talk about this often and I'm like, we've had like four years really of like solid seasons. And I'm like, well, it's not going to stay like this forever. And it's going to probably get, well, maybe we might have a few more good years, but it's going to get bad again. And I definitely think like that build, like those memories then build up the strength and resilience then as an adult, not only for like us, how we navigate it through, you know, as adults, but then what you need to do for your children as well. And I already know, like, Hame, and he, if he's listening to this, will probably be like, oh, that's not true. <laughs> but Hame's a homebody and loves the farm, and his version of a holiday could be checking the back paddock out the back. And for me, we grew up on a sheep property and we only went into the cropping side of things later on, but we always just locked up the gates in summer got in the car, went to the coast for two weeks. That was not the channel holiday. That was an actual holiday, but we did get in the car and go for two weeks and someone had come out and check the dogs, feed the dogs, water them, and we'd go to the coast and they'd check the sheep and whatever. But now we obviously grow cotton and rice. We have sheep as well, but it took me quite a lot of adjusting because I'm like, oh, we're going to lock up the gates and go on a beach holiday. And Hame's like, no, like we're watering. And I'm like, oh, but it'll be right. I just didn't understand it. Like I just fully did not understand it, and it took me a couple of years to be like, okay, winter time is our time. Winter time is time for the holidays.
0: Beach holiday in June sounds not as enticing.
1: Literally not as nice, but that's the program now. So, but I said to him, I was like, having that connection and family time in summer is really important to me because that's what I've grown up with, like in my childhood, and I want that for our family. So we might not go to the white sand and the waves but we do have our dirt and uh, waves made by the boats down at the Murrumbidgee River in Hayes so you know and it's great like you just have to do what you can do and we physically can't leave the place and maybe there's scope longer term to like employ other people and stuff but for the moment we're still on the black snakes on the siphons and it's very labor intensive and uh, you just can't leave and if we have two days in between waterings or three days in between waterings, we're not going to travel seven hours to go to the coast. So we load up in the car, take the boat in, and Haim's also not a skier. So that's...
0: And park up on the bidget. Look at the water.
1: Absolutely. He's the captain and the mechanic because boats are notorious are breaking
0: down. Well, it sounds like a hell of a holiday.
1: <laughs> anyway, it's good. It's good. I love it. And it's really special. Ted loves it. It's actually great. As soon as Hame gets off the place, he's like, this is great we
0: need to do it more often
1: literally so i'm the hustler
0: well i'm I'm interested so you went through school you were down you were ballarat weren't you
1: yep ballarat yep
0: did you want to get away from the farm and the farming side when you were leaving school like what were the career pathways that you thought you might want to go down
1: well growing up on a farm like i was definitely the tomboy in our family and i feel like i blossomed a bit more in my adulthood but still deep down there's probably still a bit of that tomboy nature underneath the whole show so i definitely was like i wanted to do something in ag didn't really know what it's kind of like that awkward time of you don't know but you feel like you should do something so i was like i'm going to do a gap year so i did a year in the territory at brunette downs which literally was the best year of my life and then I got back and then I was like, oh, I kind of just don't really want to go to uni just yet. So I was like, I'm going to fire back up for another year. So I ended up doing two years up there, which I think, well, everyone's so different. If you've got a really clear idea and pathway of like what you want to do, maybe it's different. But for me, like I didn't really know. And to have that experience up there, not only to make money, even though the money was pretty shit, but you can't go anywhere. So I actually ended up saving like quite a lot. But I think just like the life lessons of getting up, having to work as a team, doing things that are out of your comfort zone. Like I think I fell off the horse every day for the first two weeks because I just didn't understand that you're actually meant to hold on with your legs. But then I was like, okay, well, they're telling you to hold on with my legs, but then they're like galloping off because I'm squeezing them too hard. (laughs) So, but then the penny drops and then you're like, oh, one day it just happens, you know, but... I think having those couple of years away, working really hard, making some amazing friendships, which still friends with a lot of those people today. And to be honest, like I was ready at the end of it. Like I was like, all right, I've had an awesome couple of years up here, but I'm ready for like my next adventure. Dad was also like, all right, we need (laughs) it. I think he was freaking out that I was going to stay up there forever, but not that that's a bad thing, but I was ready to do something. So then, yeah, obviously then went to Marcus, which when – we met which was good times but still even really like then even when i went to marcus i still didn't have a full-on clear picture of like what i wanted to do in ag i was like if i do agri business that will just keep it very open for something hopefully but it was never like i never wanted to specifically be in corporate ag finance or i want to
0: ask you on that when do you reckon you worked out what it was that you actually wanted to do
1: as in like, what? here I am right now. Yeah. Have you worked it out? Yeah. Well, I'm in a great place. Like I absolutely love what I'm doing. And it is really interesting because I feel like I had to go through all of those stepping stones to actually kind of get to where I am now. Like if you had have said to be in year 12 or at uni, or even when I was living and working in Sydney in the ag world, that I would have my own business as a online yoga and pilates instructor connecting with bush women all over australia i'd probably laugh at you like that was just never in my that didn't even cross my mind but i think definitely different elements to get there like Haim and i obviously we did long distance for 5 years and obviously things were getting more serious there and then obviously when i was living in sydney then the plan was for me to move back to the farm but Isolating is not the right word. Intimidating, because obviously we were still in this weird thing of, okay, well, I'm interested in ag. My farm is really close by, only 45 minutes from Hame's farm. I'm going to come back and move with, in with you. But do I really want to still be in the corporate ag world or do I want to be like physically on the land? You know, it was just like this can we make it both work? Can I live on my farm and you can do what you're doing? Or do you want to come over to my farm and we just say, see you later? And Yeah, and I think because I was kind of the one that was most interested in ag in my own family, my other two sisters at that stage didn't really even think that they were going to be coming back or look interested in that. So I was kind of like, well, if I don't go back, no one's going to go back and then the farm's going to get sold and then it's going to be kind of thing. So I guess there was that like personal and emotional aspect that it's like if I don't go back to my family farm, like it's going to be gone. So it was really challenging those few years of, I guess, like understanding where Haim and I were going, where I was going, if, you know, and there was definitely challenging conversations, but I think after, you know, I did my yoga teacher training again for myself, but also for me to then connect back to my local community. Because when I moved back from Sydney, I literally worked from home And I had no connection to my community. And, yes, I was from the area, but I'd been gone for 15 years or 10 or 12 years or whatever it was. So everyone was like, oh, my God, it'll be so good. Like, you're going back home. I was like, yeah, it'll be awesome. Get back home. Crickets, literal crickets. Like, okay, where are the people at? And I had to literally start from scratch all over again because Half the people that I knew weren't there anymore and the people that were there, we'd lost connections with. So it was super challenging. And I think having to like start again is overwhelming. And I don't know, it's different because like if you go somewhere totally new, you have to start again from scratch. But I think because it was that awkwardness of, I know these people, but I don't know these people. And there's that expectation from everyone that you're just going home and that everyone knows you, but that's totally not. The case they might know your face but they don't actually know you so having when i after i did my yoga teacher training that literally changed my whole life within the bush because it allowed me to reconnect with people within the community and uh, i felt like i was a part of the community after that and it took time obviously but i'm so grateful that that came into my life and then obviously ripple effect from there then you play local sport and then you go to the pub on a friday night and then you sponsor a sporting team and it's the whole i'm giving something to the community but then they are also giving something back to me and living in the bush in quotation marks can be isolating but also you get what you put in. So when I was first working from home, like I guess I was scared to a point. I didn't know anyone. I didn't really know how to go about it, but I think it changed my way in the bush, but then I hope it changed their perception of the bush and allowed them to have something amazing that they could connect with back to themselves as well.
0: And you're talking about when you came back to Hay, but so you'd been in Sydney with Auctions Plus for say four or or so years and you were nearly forced back, weren't you, with COVID?
1: No. So I reckon it was probably 12 months before COVID.
0: Oh, you were an early shifter.
1: I was, and and they were amazing. Anna Spear was my boss at the time, and I'm so grateful for her knowledge and wisdom and friendship. She is a very special person in my heart, and I always will look up to her business and professionally. So, yeah, I worked from home. Maybe it was even more. It could have even been 18 months before COVID. So, it was very rare. Like, not many people were able to even do that so it was i was so grateful and so lucky and i was still going back and forth from parathol back to sydney and still going to events and sales and you know so i guess it was that kind of i'm here but i'm not here because i'm still away two weeks at a time so yeah
0: yeah okay so i thought you'd gone back and then i thought i okay, oh, was like the perfect concoction for saltbush stretch to come in and so how long had you been home for when you decided you're going to set up Saltbush stretch as a way to, I guess, get yourself back into the community, but also bring something new to the town.
1: Yeah. So I actually did my teacher training when I was in Sydney. So
0: you became a Bondi
1: yogi, didn't you? Yeah, that's it. Lucky, lucky I didn't call myself Bondi yogi. (laughs) So I actually historically was a runner, love a bit of a bush trot out on the, you know, Hay Plains. And I'd done a few like fun runs and i was like oh if i can do city to surf which i think is like 14ks if i can do that half marathon like i'll be able to do that easy very different also running out on the hay plains then running on concrete and hills there's not many hills on the hay plains if you didn't know except for the dam banks so that was my training up the dam banks anyway it was a disaster and i really hurt my knee So I went from literally being able to run my whole life to them being like, okay, well, that hurts. Can't do that. I'm going to go crazy. What else can I do? And then I dabbled in a few yoga classes before and uh, yeah. And then I think when I couldn't have something and then I kind of reconnected with yoga, like it literally was a lifesaver. And then obviously within that time, I was like going to be moving back to the farm maybe within a 12 month period. And I was like, well, you know, I can do this for myself. Like it never, I guess, was a, I'm going to do this to become a yoga teacher. Like it was a thing for myself at the time. But then as soon as I moved back to the bush, I was like, oh boy, I need to get out there. I need to get out there and be connected because I'm a very connected people person. So for one time in my life, it was a really lonely, isolating time. And I honestly, within the community that I've created, There's so many women that have done the similar thing. They've lived in a city or even just a rural town that's got people. And then literally they go back out and move out with their partner or not even with the partner. They just move for a job or anywhere. And then they're in this predicament where they're like, oh my God, there is no one. Or you're trying to deal with the whole family dynamics of like moving in with a new partner. Like, It was great, but it was just challenging. Like Haim had been back on his family farm for five or six years and I had never lived with a partner before. I'd also never lived and breathed on his working family farm with his mum and dad on the same farm. Like there was just a lot of moving parts. So the yoga was a great calming agent, but also like I could do it out there. And then obviously, you know, after I started doing the physical classes, I remember, because it was just all on Insta, that's what I, you know, shared the Soulbush love through. And I remember someone said, oh, my God, I wish I could come. And then, you know, but I'm out here. Or I wish you lived closer. And then they kind of get kept getting like those couple things, or, oh, I wish I could join in. And that was totally before COVID. So it wasn't even like hook me up with a Zoom link because that was just not really even a thing. And then, I don't know, my brain went in mysterious directions. And then, literally, like two or three months before COVID, I actually launched my online platform, which timing couldn't have been more spectacular because, well, I guess I was like somewhat ahead of the game because everyone else, obviously, when COVID hit, was just stressing and like doing everything they could to get online. And I already kind of had that little bit of a following already. And I guess that like totally changed my business because it went from, being able to connect with local people to then literally be being able to connect with like women and a couple of men, a couple of men out there, not many, but a couple, you know, being able to connect with them like all over Australia. And I honestly just like have to like shake myself cause I'm like, Oh my God, I just honestly, the best feeling to feel that there are women out there that don't have access or that do have access locally that like I'm bringing them some sort of good vibe you know, friendship. And honestly, the people within my community, I wouldn't know half of them actually physically, personally, but like, I feel like we're all besties. Like if we all got together, it literally would be like, we've known each other for forever because we're all have connected through living in the bush and all having the same struggles or passions with living out here. And, uh, you know, I think it's really, I feel really grateful. And I guess proud of myself also that I've been able to connect all of these amazing people together
0: yeah it's incredible i want
1: hey it's nick here sheep farmer and Rabobank regional client council member i'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community well-being and build strong local economies my job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives those that support education in ag rural health sustainability and help bridge the country city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision, and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www.rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Uh, ask, like, so this was a bit of a a pet passion project. And it was kind of just evolving on the side of working full time. And then you decided to go all in alongside being a mum. And we were chatting about it off air, like just in terms of, yeah, up until all hours of the night doing things and then back up at 5am when Ted decides he's had enough of sleeping for the day and you better get going. When did it go from being like a fun, I guess, side project hustle thing into being, okay, it's an actual business and There's some pressure with
1: it yeah so i remember with auctions plus i ended up going back three days a week and that was ticking along well but then it's really interesting like it's a really interesting one because i guess there's always that self-doubt of is this going to actually work am i going to be able to survive do people think i'm ridiculous and just think that this chick is just running like a fun side hustle i guess So I went back three days a week and then I had Ted. I reckon maybe I went back to two days a week. Anyway, regardless, it was around when, so probably two and a half years ago and then I had Ted and then I didn't go back to work with Auctions Plus. And I kind of had like, came and I sat down and kind of had the conversation about like me going back or just like full McCoy like, I've totally got this with Saltbush And I guess it was like kind of one of those moments that I could have easily have gone back to auctions plus, like they wanted me to go back. But I was like, no, like I've fully got this. And this is not just a side hustle. This isn't a passion project. Like this is a fully fledged business that I absolutely love. Like, I don't even feel like it's a job. Like I just love it, you know, but for me to be able to, as you said, like I'm a crazy person and spend all hours of the night doing my work because that's, you know, Ted's only at daycare one and a half days a week, but that's my time and I love it and it's never perfect. Like there's always elements that I'm tweaking and changing and trying to improve and I often engage with our community to get that really honest feedback because I'm like at the end of the day, like I could just do this all day and love it, but like you guys are the ones that I want to, improve and make things better. So I engage with them a lot for them to give me the feedback of, and then I also have to remember that you can't keep everyone happy, which is challenging, but yeah. So probably two and a half years, probably change from being a side hustle. This is fun to we're fully, fully going salt bush.
0: (laughs) Forget the nut bush. And so now like for you with what you're doing, I guess it is, it's a digital community that you're running all over rural, regional, remote Australia from your home in Hay, what are, I guess, some of the challenges you face, but then how have you overcome them as well? And what has led you to be able to overcome them?
1: Internet is a big challenge. I'm actually in Hay today at a friend's house because it's overcast and our internet has decided not to work. So, internet, as so many Bush women and men know that it can be challenging at times, but I think even like even that using internet as an example like the platform that I've created enables people to download the videos offline so that they don't have to come into a live video because I've tried the lives the lives because I think the lives are excellent for that like community and connection seeing someone on the other end of the screen you know that's in real time but what's it good to people if the internet doesn't work and it cuts out and I'm going <laughs> You know, like frozen in one like spot, you know. So, I definitely think internet, yes, is challenging, but then how do I make it not challenging for people to still be able to connect and do it without actually having to join into like a live? So, I guess then the way that I've structured things, like so, for like our 12 month calendar, we have certain challenges throughout the year. So, even though it's not live streamed but every single day everyone in the community is doing the exact same flow so then we can all connect together on oh my god M is trying to kill me you know that was so hard or whatever so I think it's just like adapting and changing things in like a different way I guess but I think also another I guess challenge but positive and excitement all at the same time so when I first started salt Bush stretch it was purely all yoga and then maybe 18 months ago 12 months ago anyway a little while ago I decided to do my pilates teacher training I'd always been a bit of a pilates junkie as well on the side but It was scary because I was like, people know me for M being the yogi. And I'm like, am I going to piss people off because they don't think yoga is important anymore? Yoga will always be my first love. But as a business and growing and expanding, I don't want to show my community that yoga isn't important. But it's like, how can I show the community that Pilates also isn't an amazing other form of movement that also just gives them something different? Because I even know with myself, sometimes, You just want to do something different. Sometimes I want total Zen vibes with calming music. Sometimes I want pump up vibes with a bit of Kanye in the background, you know, like it's a different day. And uh, you know, you think about your own life every single day. Like sometimes you literally just want to lie down and chill out on the couch. And other days you're like, I can pump myself up and do something energetic outside or whatever it is. So I think that was challenging because I, I just didn't want to upset people. But then, as I said before, You're never going to keep everyone happy. But I honestly believe that, like, bringing Pilates into the community, the feedback and everyone is loving the combination of both. And also, like, getting people out of their comfort zones. Like, maybe the people that did yoga had never done Pilates, and that's challenging for them. And that's then testing them, which, you know, I like to push people's buttons sometimes. So I think it's scary for me, but also really exciting and everyone seems to be still sticking along for the ride so it's um it's good
0: and i was gonna say it's interesting isn't it because it's something like we've gone through too as a business like you've got to keep growing and evolving and so it's like for you bringing the pilates it's like well that brings opens up more revenue streams or more opportunity to bring a broader group of people in like on the business front do you like stop and kind of pinch yourself and be like oh my god look at like. (laughs) The decisions that I've made over the last 12 months, and look how far this has actually come.
1: Totally. And it's interesting. Before, yeah, 12 months ago, like I rebranded and relaunched my website, which was kind of, again, another pivotal point because I was tracking along nicely. But I was getting a big enough following to be like, okay, the website is a little bit clunky and the feedback that I was getting was just like, this is broken or can we do this? And I was like, okay, I just need to like really make this user experience better. So I made that decision and uh, then I also launched the Pilates also at the same time. But I used to use this amazing woman as a little bit of a strategist, I guess, in that lead up to all of this happening. And I remember at the start when I first used to use this woman. I would say things be like what do you think about this she's like absolutely not and as a person that you run your own you know you're the one man band it's obviously different now like i've got other stuff but at that stage it was just me and i've got all these crazy ideas up in my head and before i started using lizzie i was like what about this what about this i was just like okay let's just take a step back here like let's really start to come back to ground zero and then we'll really put Some structure in place. And then we got to a point, I probably used Lizzie for like over 12 months, maybe a little bit longer. And I'm so grateful for Lizzie because she basically changed it from a passion project into a fully fledged business. And uh, we got to a point when I was working with Lizzie and I kept going to her with all of these ideas and everything. And then she'd be like, yep, 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 that's good. You're not, you don't need to check that with me. And then I'm like, oh my God, like, Lizzie's like, you don't need me anymore. I was like, oh my God, i have graduated, I'm graduated. So, you know, you're saying like reflecting on those like big decisions. And even now I don't ask anyone for what I think's a good idea. I just run with it. Like if I've got the idea in my head and I plan it out and I brainstorm it and I've got other people within the business now, the amazing Kaz and Hannah is joining the team shortly you know, I can just literally, I can run it by them if I'm a little bit like, "Mm, what do you think? But apart from that, I'm like, no, this is good. And if it isn't good, well, that's okay. But I've, yeah, I'll always make mistakes. But I think I just have to back myself. And now that I've been backing myself, the growth has continued to happen. So I'm like, well, I must be doing something right. So, but again, always going back to the community, like every single thing that we do, What was good about this? I say, give me one good thing, give me one bad thing, and what we can improve on next time. Because at the end of the day, you can keep tracking along exactly the same way. But like, if you're not asking, and I always say, I'm like, you got to be open and honest. And I sometimes say, do some like surveys and stuff. And I can say, it's anonymous, but if you want to put your name down and we can chat about it further, let's do it. Like, let's unpack it more. Because at the end of the day, like, it's growth for me and it's learning for me. And I can't do that without my amazing community giving me that feedback. So, I'm so grateful for them.
0: Yeah, that is so cool. So, what's it been like being able to bring other people in and employ them under what has been your passion project and now see them get passionate about what you love?
1: Terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, like I am someone's boss. Like what the hell? Honestly, it's the wildest thought and I have to like pinch myself at times. It is wild and, but also amazing. Like I feel, well, I guess like in quotation marks, you know, I've always liked leadership and I don't know if delegating is the right word, but I've just always really liked, I guess, being a leader in a group of some sort, you know. And I feel like now that we all are remote, so Kaz obviously is our Pilates instructor and Hannah is coming on as our yoga instructor. But, you know, for me, I had been looking for people for quite some time before I actually hit go on Kaz and Hannah and that leap of like, okay, the people in my community are bush women. Like I need someone that can relate to these women and no, they're not me, but like they have to have similar vibes and ethos to me. I might not be your typical yogi, as people say, like or maybe not your typical Pilates teacher, but that's fine because that's me and that's my saltbush vibe and passion and other people like that vibe too. So for me it was trying to bring people with similar vibe and energy into the team and it's been great. And Hannah hasn't started yet, but feedback from Kaz has been excellent and. Yeah. And I guess also in terms of them, like as a boss, again, keeping those communication lines open because I don't know, like if I'm doing a good job or a bad job or like I want to be approachable if there's any issues that come up. So we have like a weekly Zoom meeting because that connection piece is really important, which we didn't do at the start. But I said, no, we need to get onto this weekly call and have the face-to-face Zoom so that we can connect and see each other and hash things out. So, you know, in that chat, we go through what's coming for that week slash month ahead and after every single call, like any concerns, any queries, anything else you want to hash out, like normally it's nothing, but I still give them the option to voice their stuff because like at the end of the day, if you don't ask and they are feeling shit or I haven't done something in the best way or... I want them to feel really open and honest with me because I want to keep them because they're amazing. And that's the whole thing. Like when you have people that work for you, you've put the time and energy and love and effort and money into them. So you want to keep them around and that you have to be open and honest with them. And also letting go of things has been really hard. And uh, there's been other backend stuff that I've let go a little bit of as well with some other contractor type people from a lot of the administration stuff behind the scenes. But, you know, I can't do, and I, I don't know if we were talking about this earlier or if we are talking about offline, but you physically can't do everything to an excellent standard all yourself. So getting my website girls to automate everything so that I didn't have to go and do things manually at the back end, like I just thought that was normal because I didn't know. And they were like, okay, there's a bit going on here. Like we're to tighten up here. But, you know, but when you're one man band and you just have to go through these things the hard way sometimes and learn. So, yeah, and I honestly never want my team to be massive. I really want to keep it intimate and connected for our community because that, yeah, I feel like we're our own little bush community and I don't want it to be a city. That's fair. But, yeah, that's something that's important to me. So, you know, but I honestly hope that my ethos and vibe and brand one day might want to appeal to someone else that might want to come and work for me or inspire someone else to go and become a teacher. And then, you know, it's not just about the now, it's about, it might not even be as a teacher. It might be someone finishing uni and then going and starting up their own business from home and then working remotely for me. Like it's, there's so many possibilities, but it's about like just inspiring anyone that is in the bush to be passionate and to have a crack at whatever it is that they're doing.
0: And to know that those limitations can be removed. I've got a question, and this, you might have nothing, you might have something. Is there anything right now that you want to put out there to our audience and probably hopefully your community that listen as well? Anything that's like that you're trying to flesh out that you could do with someone else's help on that you just want to throw out into the universe?
1: Oh, good one, all. I would love, (laughs) you can probably answer this question for me. I will say it. I have got a big list of like goals. I've got like one-year goals, five-year goals, the holy grail of the goals for my entirety of life. But one of my (laughs) goals is actually to start a podcast. Lol. Um (laughs) How good. So, yeah. I just feel like I have so many amazing people within our community and even just like through Insta and our community, like some of the stories and the yarns and what these amazing women are doing. I'm like, oh my God, I need to get this info out there in another form. Like we have a blog and I often showcase some of the people within the community, but I just think like that podcast is like a whole nother level. And like some people like reading, some people like listening and so Oh, my question would be, which you could probably answer. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously, I just want to do the talking and do the connection piece, but, like, all the other stuff, get someone else to do it for me. So,
0: I've got an idea for you, and it flows into something that I've <laughs> we're thinking of bringing into the realm, and it fits in perfectly. We'll take this one offline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. Anyway, I'll think of another thing for our next podcast chat from... Um... <laughs> another question i'll have to that was a good one like that all really put me on the spot
0: <laughs> no well, i love it barry Evans has a CEO, or what is he chairman of bega and he says he used to go around when he was trying to build bega from being like a small little co-op business into the giant it is today he used to go on like when he'd chat to people he'd be like oh this is my biggest fear right now and this is my dream do you reckon you've got any advice to help me achieve it and he reckons because he was able to like throw his fears on the table, he was like verbalizing it. But often people would be like, oh, mate, I've got someone who can help you with that or this and that. And so he was able to address his fears, but then that also allowed him to continue going towards his dreams. And the thing that I love about him is he was like, I used to ask the big dairy companies because they'd see me like not as a threat or anything. And he's like, years later, I went back and bought every single one of them.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, that is so good. Love that.
0: So throw the dreams and fears out there. Now, I've got one last question for you, Porty. We ask everyone that comes on the podcast, and I think this one will be interesting given the way that your world has woven its way. If you have the chance to go and chat to year ten students at a city school, what would be your advice to them about pursuing a career in agriculture?
1: I would love to go and do that. I would come in it to them in a different angle, especially being a woman in ag. I would say to them, whatever you want to do with your life is possible within the bush and I honestly believe that and not only for you 10 students but any school, children or person or university student or whatever because the world has changed since COVID and, yes, there are barriers within the bush but we make it happen. Like there is honestly so much amazingness out here and i honestly think that it's better than the city because the lifestyle the fresh air the connection to community there is just so many amazing positives and i think that there needs to be more people going into schools to year 10 students trying to encourage them to come out and live the life in the bush and cost of living prices like come out don't buy a one bedroom apartment for $1.5 million in Sydney in Parramatta. Like come out and buy a $1.5 million place out here and you'll be looking pretty good.
0: (laughs) You might even have your own dam, which you can turn into a beach with your kids.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And maybe like, I don't really know that many young people in year 10 in the city, but I also do know a lot of, I play netball for the Hay Lions and there's a lot of, younger kids within the different levels of the thing. And yeah, I often just chat to the younger girls. I say, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? And I try and inspire them to feel like that they can do anything. They can go to the city. I do it in the reverse to them. Like you can do whatever you want to do and you can come back and then you can bring that knowledge and growth and opportunity back to your local town. But I was like, you can do anything you want to do. And I think it's vice versa for the people in the city. Like, whatever you want to do, you can live an absolute amazing life out in the bush just as you can in the city, but it's better in the bush.
0: I love that. Well, Portie, thank you for coming on for a chat. I feel like there's lots of wisdom and very similar to like an Anna's beer. I think if I think back to when I asked Anna that question, I think she talked about like her career in agriculture has just been so fulfilling and the people she's met has been so inspiring. And I can see how that has float off to you and it's incredible to see what you're doing with Saltbush and through your community and work and everything
1: thanks all yeah good yarning with you as always
0: now if you've made it this far thanks for sticking with us if you could we would love for you to follow the show like share subscribe all that business it helps us get more people seeing conversations about agriculture in their feet so the more of you that can do that doesn't take a whole lot out of your day but it means a huge amount to us we'd also love to hear from you if you've got any suggestions on people you'd like us to chat to so hit us up hello at humansofagriculture.com look after yourself stay safe stay sane and next week we have an incredible conversation see ya